0: welcome back to another episode of with our i'm your host luke belasca joined by the great tony Mulvey. tony thanks for joining us today we've got a fantastic episode today here uh we were on the back half of april a lot of things changing the market we called a freight recession last month we've been home it's been almost a month since, since Craig made that prediction um, on freight waves, and we've seen a lot of development since then. Now, all of a sudden, there's uh, some lockdowns going on in China, which we're going to discuss and the potential impacts of that in the freight market. Um, uh, not to mention, we've got their next live in-person freight wave show coming up next month. So there's a lot happening right now, Tony. A lot yep,
1: happening. For sure. Yeah. I mean, it's about to be a busy three weeks.
0: I mean, we're three weeks from future supply chain. Three weeks from future supply chain. It's going to be great um, because we're going to be there. Yeah, of f- course. Just so folks know, you will get to meet both Tony and I. Um, and uh, Tony's buying all the drinks. Let's just make that clear right off the bat. So, um, uh, also the food. He's bought out a couple of restaurants for folks. So it's going to be a great time. But no, in all seriousness, it's going to be it's going to be excellent. We're excited. We're going to have a booth too some folks can come up and potentially talk about sonar and i'm excited for that because there's going to be customers there there's going to be folks who've been watching the show there's going to be folks who have seen some different things so um or or just folks who are just experts in the industry and i think it will be really nice to kind of put a lot of heads together a lot of of folks in the same space we were talking about this i think it was two weeks ago now tony or three weeks ago now i can't remember when we when we first i guess it was about three weeks ago because it was it was right when we were talking about a freight recession coming and we were saying, it'd be interesting to see how the market unfolds all the way up to the future of the supply chain. But we've seen a lot of movement since three weeks ago when that when that, that statement was called. Kind of where would you place the state of the, the U.S. freight market right now, if you had to kind of describe it? It's obviously
1: softening. I mean, yep. I, th- I don't think there's any denying that. Uh, I mean, you hear everybody's talking about how, it, how spot rates especially are softening. And we've yep. seen that decline. It's kind of accelerated. I mean... In a report I wrote last week, you look at the truckstop.com spot rate, it looks like it's down off of a black diamond, not a bunny slope, right? And that you would kind of expect to see spot rates slowly decline in the first quarter. I mean, that's pretty typical. I know we wrote in the shipper rate report in that 10 to 12% range, which has kind of been the historical decline from the beginning of the first quarter through the end. And ultimately, like peak... To the end of the first quarter, it kind of was in that range, right. but now we've dropped. It was basically two back to back weeks of almost 5% declines. I mean, we're yeah. talking 13 cents per mile last week, 14% or 14 cents per mile this week. I
0: mean, which is a larger percent drop. Yeah, it much is. Larger. So, um, you know, it, it's funny when we were talking about the freight, re- freight recession coming in, it's not like, like, I think when everybody hears the term freight recession, right, it's, oh, it's all doom and gloom. No, it's it's a period of correction, right? Two consecutive quarters of declining growth, or in this case, declining volume growth, right? Um, nobody knows where the bottom is or when we're going to hit it or how quickly we're going to climb out of it. All of that is to be determined. But there is a lot of softening. But I think what was interesting is, or I think what's beginning to surprise a lot of my customers that I've been speaking with is, they were like, yeah, we are surprised by how much it dipped in, in kind of Q1. We, we d- always expect a little bit of softening there. But everybody, I think, was ready for this turnaround come April because that's typically when you start to see busy season kick back up, especially in the produce or in the reefer world. We aren't seeing that. If anything, we're seeing the opposite. Continued acceleration down, especially in the reefer markets. Yeah, I mean, in the reefer side,
1: especially in the volume side, what you'll see is produce and stuff will move more in spot. So basically, you won't see it come up in tender volumes or things like that. But you'll just all of a sudden capacity just won't be there. Right. right, so you'll see an acceleration of rejections where volumes may be falling, and and what you'll see is those kind of like accepted volumes will maybe decline, but it's not it's the volume itself. Maybe it's just where it's getting shifted, and the capacity's right. moved out of that market. You're not seeing that. We'll talk about it. We'll pull up a chart here in a little bit. Yeah, and you'll see those reefer rejections accelerating downward. They're kind of following the broader trend, right? right. We talked about freight volumes and rejections moving down. So. We'll pull up this first chart where we've got our outbound tender volume index on the Great right axis, here. and the rejections, and what you see, volumes down to about 12,000, yeah. rejections at 10.5%.
0: I mean, these are levels we haven't seen at any point no. in the last two years. No, we really haven't. So, you know, just to clarify, blue line is tender volume, uh, one year as of this morning. Green line is tender rejections as of this morning, one year chart. So... Um, you know, I mean, that's, I mean, that it, it, drops don't look like that very often. They just don't. And in case you're new here, this is the first time you've seen those big random dips you see there kind of throughout those big troughs. Those are holidays, very seasonal. We see those every year. So that we're not talking about those. It's really that big slope that you see there, um, here beginning in, in March and, and going through now that, that blue line is, is really that demand and rejects is there. Why, why is it, what? So for, for folks that might be a little bit new, Tony, you know, how is tender rejections, the direction that moves, significant, especially if you're moving freight on the spot market? So a rejection is kind
1: of our gauge of relative capacity, right? As you think load gets tendered out to say primary carrier, they reject right. it, right? Now it's got to get retendered, could fall through the routing guide. Mm-hmm. And as you go, it may eventually find its way to the spot market. Well, what we're seeing is rejection rates are slowing, indicating capacity is loosening, right? We've been yeah. at 20, around 20% for the better part of the last year up until early right. March, right? And now we've, it's about an 800 basis point drop since early March. For reference, from early or mid-March of 2021 through December, rejection rates fell 700 basis points. So yeah. we've had a faster decline, or a a bigger decline in the past 6 weeks than we had in all of last year despite contract rates rising 16%
0: yeah. in that same timeframe. I'm a, I'm going to translate for folks that may not be aware here, a basis point basically what that means is when Tony says a lot of basis points like 700, it fell a lot and when he said 800 basis points, it fell a lot more. <laughs> That's all you need to know. Um but you're absolutely correct. Um, it's, it's dropping, it's dropping quickly. A lot of softening on, on the uh, on the markets. Let's go ahead. I want to pull up a chart there because, okay, so it's like the market is softening. I hear a lot of folks talk about, um, okay, well, how does it affect me and flatbed or how does it affect reefer? You know, we're going to start seeing those markets. Let's, I want to pull up tender rejections. Here it is right here. Look at this. This is all the mode. So, blue line for references, drive and tender rejections, sitting right there at the low 10% range. The green line is reefer tender rejections, um, sitting approximately in the 20% mark. And then that orange line is flatbed tender rejections. Um, again, sitting there right around, what's that? About 31, 32%. Um, so, and this is all over the last year as of this morning. So we're seeing van and reefer continue to fall. Obviously van is the lowest, which makes, makes sense. Um, but it's also the largest part of the market. Flatbed is still holding strong, although we have seen flatbed come down a little bit, but, the general trend is still up. If you notice, flatbed is still much higher than it was this time last year, signifying that capacity is fairly tight in the flatbed market. Um, but you know, it's definitely a little bit off its high from from just just a, a short bit ago. You know, Tony, if you're looking at this and you kind of are are looking at the different modes, what jumps out to you in terms of like, you know, um, you know, we talk about the market is softening versus, you know, but it looks like flatbed's still kind of trending up, a little dip, but you know, how would you interpret this?
1: Yeah. I mean, when you think about the different modes, they're kind of exposed to different areas of the economy, right? Right. So you've got the consumer economy, right? Goods, mm-hmm. things like that, grocery. And then you've got the industrial side, which is definitely heavier skewed to flatbed. Yeah. And right. And what you've seen is, yeah, we saw a little slowdown in housing starts and things like that. But I mean, leading up to this, we've seen this rapid acceleration in housing starts, industrial yeah. production crept up a little, I believe. So, I mean, you're seeing industrial activity. That's what's keeping the flatbed market tighter than the rest other markets. Right. You're seeing a slowdown in consumer spending. I mean, if you look at real retail sales, so those adjusted for inflation, because mm-hmm. they're negative on a year-over-year basis. And guess what? It just means a consumer consumer slowing their spending rate. Yeah. Which and makes sense. It, it makes sense when you think about this time last year you had mm-hmm. stimulus packages, that were aiding in the consumer spending their money. Yeah. And now they're not. So those inflation the, wasn't quite as high yet. Yeah, exactly. So there's all these factors that are going into a slower consumer. Mm-hmm. Guess what? Demand, a lot of the demand we've seen over the course of the past two years has been benefited from the consumer. Yeah. So it's like we're the consumers finally hitting the brakes, which was kind of expected when you think about how much we've spent. Is as a society in the past two years, like there, it was due for a correction on the spending side. And now you add in an eight and a half percent inflation rate. It really starts to take a toll on the consumer. And guess what? Ultimately, that means freight demand is going to slow because people are going to, as things reopen, they're going to spend things on money on services and experiences that they haven't had the ability to do over the past two
0: years that now they can. Yeah. No, you're spot on, right? You know, because when, when we think about the trucking or fairly the freight markets at at large, right? If the consumer is spending money on something other than physical goods, like going out to eat or going to a concert or traveling, that doesn't help the freight markets. They need to be spending their money on physical goods. Um, and that's exactly, we're, we're seeing the reflection of that now, right? The, the pumping and brakes. I, I do want to talk about something though, because we've, um, you know, there's, there's been a lot of chatter about, about China lately, you know, and I've heard some folks come up to me and say, you know, hey, I see that tender volumes are are lowering, but, you know, could that be there's just not enough freight coming in right now to resupply the demand, right? You know, we saw that happen when COVID started, right? We saw truckload tender volumes shoot up for a minute when that demand surged and everybody was in a buying hoard, And then we saw tender volumes dip. The difference was tender volumes dip there because there wasn't enough inventory to move. This isn't that problem now, though. It's a little bit different. Tender volumes are dropping, but there's plenty of inventory. Yeah. It's not necessarily a China problem right now. So, Tony just kind of summarize like you know what um, at a, at a broad high level what's you know where's the initial concern with China. So I mean obviously
1: the initial concern is going to be inventories that we have currently will get run through before any more mm-hmm. freight comes through. But right now inventory levels are at record highs. Like you mentioned right. like the inventory is there to move, right? Yeah. But what you're seeing and this is where kind of goes into this mode switch that shippers are having and why this drop in truckload volumes is meaningful compared to look at what's happening on the rails right yeah we just had JB Hunt's earnings release earlier this week they said demand on especially in the, intermodal the bad side.
0: if you had looked at our uh, inner volume charts last week but yeah. anyways continue yeah
1: yeah I mean average q1 demand O rail Domestic loaded and sonar was up about 7%. J.B. Hunt reported 7% volume growth on their intermodal side. Who knew? Well, guess what? That's 60% of their revenue, right? So it's a massive part of their business. And what they're saying is demand for that is still strong, which it It should be when you think about kind of the time-sensitive nature of freight and how it's kind of shifted as the consumers hit the brakes, right? Right. There was a rush to get things into stores, inventory and yep. in. Now you don't have that, right? right? Which is why you're seeing the decline in truckload volumes. But the rail is obviously holding up better. Lower rate. We talked about it. I talked about it yeah. this morning with Zach Strickland. Intermodal contract rate right now is $2.01 a mile. On the van side, so drive-van side, it's $2.93 a mile. Yep. So you're talking a, a significant spread, fuel, is a lot cheaper on the rail side because it's more efficient than it is on the drive-in side. Yes. Guess what? Shippers can take advantage of some of this savings, right? Because they don't need the goods as fast as they did. Yeah. It's a lot cheaper. It's more fuel efficient. Guess what? It's benefiting the rails, benefiting or, the rails. or IMCs, those intermodal marketing companies like a JB mm-hmm. Hunt or a Hub Group and watch yep. when Hub Group releases. Schneider their earnings, has
0: a little bit of exposure there too.
1: Yeah. So those will be. The trends you'll see, and we get night swift later earnings later this afternoon. Yeah. What I'm going to be looking for is what's that operating ratio doing? Yeah. That's going to be the key because I talked about it again this morning. TCA's operating ratio, so those small, mid sized carriers at the best of times was around 93 to 96%. Yeah. In 2019, it was around 100%. Revenues are falling off a cliff. Guess what? Those margins get squeezed really yeah, fast. They do,
0: very fast. Very fast, low, low margin game. And, and that's honestly, you know, when we, when we think about this, right, there's been so much new capacity that's entered the market, but a lot of these, um, a lot of these carriers that have entered the market, they're paying higher prices for their trucks. Insurance costs is up, fuel is up. I believe Craig said this, and I'm going to, I'm going to, I might be a little wrong here on the number, but it's close to 60 cents a mile higher. The average carrier's cost of it, if a carrier entered the market in February of 2022, their cost on average is $0.60 cents per mile higher than it was back in February of 2019. <laughs> so just in the three-year three time from $0.60 cents a mile, I mean, that is astronomical.
1: Yeah, it means spot rates don't have to fall as far. They don't have to reach 2019 levels no, to squeeze those margins. Guess what? The other factor is if we do see a prolonged downturn, so say this China impact, which nobody knows how long it's going to be, yeah. last six, eight months. These smaller carriers don't have the capital that a larger carrier does mm-hmm. to prolong, to, to basically survive this period. You look at Knight Swift's balance sheet. They added $104 million in cash and cash equivalents in 2021. Why not, why not, why not reinvest? that? Well, yeah. it's because they don't need to add to their fleet because no, they don't. it ha- this happens every few years where it's just the cycle. And guess what? Equipment prices are so high. But they yeah. have buying power, so they, they could have reinvested and bought equipment. Maybe they didn't get it or wouldn't have gotten it all. But like, people are going to take pressure. They're, they're going to take priority, yeah. over a smaller carrier. So. They're being strategic. The,
0: I, I do want. I do want to talk here. Let's dive in. We've got a little bit of ocean data here inside of Sunar I want to show because the 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 current narrative right now is that when China does un, you know reopen, there's going to be just we're going to be so overwhelmed with freight, right? And and there, there could be some implications of that, but I'm going to paint a little picture here as to why the China lockdowns may not be as impactful as they are. And Tony, you've, you've been talking about this a lot today. At the end of the day, what do we need in order for the freight markets to remain elevated? We need consumers to buy stuff. Yeah. And if they aren't buying stuff, it really doesn't matter if the ports get backed up or not when they finally reopen because the goods aren't really needed, mm-hmm. right? That's the thing. And so this chart right here, so we've seen tender volumes fall off a cliff, right? They're down 21% year over year. We know that. There's less volume that's being moved. In other words, less demand for those goods. This chart right here is customs data. As of this morning, over the last year, it shows daily number of shipments clearing customs via maritime each day, all right? You can actually see we're actually slightly above, about 4 or 5% higher than we were this time last year, right? All the way on the left side is a year ago. All the way on the right side is today shipment levels are a little bit higher you do see some dips there with with uh chinese new year and with um uh, a couple of other elements but uh i believe that's uh uh probably that that massive dip might be the port of yen chin when that one shut down but regardless inventory is still coming in shipments are still coming in at the same pace they were a year ago but it's not translating into truckload volume and there's only really one reason for that it's piling up in inventory because all these goods were ordered far in advance and they are no longer needed by the consumer because consumers are beginning to press the brakes. And we're seeing that inventory levels are high. One other thing. And, 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 and the other thing is a lot of these goods are ordered 60, 90, 120 days in advance. So, you know, they're still going to be coming in even when consumer demand has now slowed. It's just going to take a bit of time. One other chart I want to throw on. So that's the customs data. Okay. The next chart here we're going to look at is the bookings data set on the TEU side. Um, alongside uh, some some dwell time. So the, the left side of this chart, okay? The left side of this chart here represents bookings, new bookings over the last year. Bookings are um, exactly what they sound like. It's me making a request to basically bring a TEU, um, in this case, from China to the United States, right? Um, that blue line is as of this morning. That's what's being loaded on ships at foreign ports, in this case, China, and that will come to the U.S., We're lower than we were this time last year or right in line. So in other words, if if a lot of this if shippers were really nervous about not getting a lot of goods, they should, in theory, be increasing their bookings. We saw that happen when COVID shut down back in 2020. There was a massive surge of bookings. Shippers were making a ton of bookings um, because they were waiting for when they finally reopened to hopefully get priority of their bookings. We're not seeing that right now. In other words, this tells me that shippers aren't really panicking with getting their goods here. Um, so to summarize, there's less demand on the U.S. freight market on the truckload side. We're seeing inventory levels go up. In other words, consumers are spending less. And this kind of further supports that, I think, that shippers just aren't worried. Aren't, they're not panicking. It's not to say there's not going to be any impact, but there's, this would tell me there's, there's not the same panic than when ports shut down in the past.
1: Yeah. Well, I think one, if you look at it in, even in our new ocean markets dashboard that's in data yeah. and sonar, you look at, Just the port of Shanghai, right? Shanghai to the U.S. Those bookings—they're down 31% since March, March 6th, I believe. So I mean, you're seeing it or April 6th. So I mean, that's a really—that's the number of TEUs booked, confirmed bookings, right? That's the important part. It's not just those that have been. Those that—that is actual demand on the ocean, right? Are up or down 31%? Yeah. That ha- some has to do with the lockdown, right? I sure. mean, they can't get things out of the port. That makes sense. <clears throat> well, the problem is, right? You look at that customs chart and it's kind of, I mean, flat up a little, yeah. right? We've had congestion at the ports, which had this backlog, right? That right. kind of has taken time to work itself out. We still see vessels parked off the side of the coast of Charleston, New York, mm-hmm. uh, LA, Long Beach. So. They're still congested. Congestion. When China ramps back up, those products that have been ordered, right, are still going to come out. Like yes. that's. We don't know what the China supply chain looks like. What what needs raw materials? Yeah. What those raw materials that are coming in? Because it's not just container ships that are off the coast. Right. It is those bulk and raw those carrying raw materials. What does that look like in the China? Yeah. How long does it take them to get back up to? manufacturing capacity, right? These orders have already been placed more than likely, right? Because you think about the summer shipping, the big summer surge in shipping back to school, things like that. You've got to have those orders in. So they're on the shelves come early August, right? I mean, you're talking, again, 120 days. 120 days from now, you're pushing yourself into mid-July, right? And maybe even further. So like, you're already running out of time if you hadn't planned ahead. Now you add the shutdown, you may miss the seat. Like the concern might be missing seasons, right? These goods that were supposed to be here in time are now not going to be on the shelves in time. What happens with them when inventory levels are already so high?
0: Yeah. You know, you're, you're spot on there, spot on. And, and it's, you know, it, it's it's real, it, it all comes back to the consumer, right? We've talked about that time and time again, right? If consumers are not buying products, at least at the same rate that we're talking about here, this, this impact may or may not be all that extreme. Um, on another note, though, we have seen that, that both Mexico and Canada have now taken over the top one and two spots from China as far as the largest trade partners of the U.S. Um, so while part, part of that's happened, that's happened before, it's not completely unique, um, we, you know, there there has been a lot of talk with a lot of shippers who are trying to potentially shift supply chains a little bit closer to home, at least parts of the supply chain, right? There, there's still going to be a lot of reliance on China. And we have a significant amount of reliance on China as well as India and Malaysia and Vietnam. But I think we're we're beginning to see a slight shift, maybe pieces of company supply chains being like, you know what, let's just let's bring a little bit a little bit closer to home. And that could potentially help these impacts down the road. I think COVID. Scared a lot of folks. It was a combination. We had a trade war back um, a couple of years ago. Nat, then we had, uh, obviously, COVID. It's caused a lot of lot of upsets. And now I think shippers are trying to be a little more strategic with where they source some goods from. Yeah,
1: for sure. And I think, I mean, even some of this, as I touched on earlier, the ocean market, market dashboard. I mean, we can look at all these other countries. Yeah. Guess what? And I'm writing this in a report as we speak that we're seeing... If you looked at just IoTI, right, mm-hmm. those just the bookings, it's up and it's yes. accelerating. Why is that? Well, you're you start digging in and looking at other areas where some of these goods are coming from. Your India's, your yeah. Vietnam, your Italy, your Germany. So some of yeah. these other European countries, you're starting to see signs of increases in bookings coming out of there. That's right. Guess what? It means less res- reliance on China. We've seen that decline, obviously related to Shanghai, at thirty-one percent. Yep. It doesn't necessarily mean that there's not going to still be yeah. volume coming in. Now, what happens when the volume gets here? That's where it looks like the rails are going to be the big winner. They
0: might be so they that and warehousing be. and warehousing. Yes. Uh, you were telling me before the show, Prologis. For those that aren't aware, Prologis is like the largest like warehousing uh, company in the U.S. I believe, mm-hmm. right? And they are their four. They have their four largest markets. I believe or close to four largest. Yeah. So it's four, four significant markets. Yes. Yeah,
1: four markets that totaled ten or nine and a half percent of their total U.S. footprint, right? By square footage. So, For
0: a reference, they manage close to like half a trillion in real estate. Yeah. It's in case they're, anybody's they're curious. massive. So it's huge. But they have 100% lease rate. 100% lease rate in 10% of their markets. Basic. Yeah. 10%
1: of their square footage is is completely leased out.
0: Completely leased out. Yeah.
1: So Central Valley, Nashville, Las Vegas, and Phoenix. Guess what? If you're looking for warehousing space with Prologis, you're not going to find it. And guess what? It means you've got to find other markets that you can either find space. Yeah. But it throws these networks kind of out of whack. It does throw them out of whack. So... That's going
0: to be what's interesting to me is how, how networks adapt to some of these changing, uh, I think what all this has shown us over the last couple of years is how dynamic the free market is mm -hmm. going to become. Like this, this slow, steady, I mean, not to say the annual bids are gone forever, but like, I mean, there's, I think a lot of folks are having to become a lot more dynamic. But anyways, look forward to talking to folks. Um, as a reminder, if you're still with us, um, in just about three weeks, okay, we have future supply chain down in uh, little rock arkansas or excuse me fayetteville arkansas um and it's gonna be a great event we're gonna release some of the new things inside of seminar including the ocean dashboard that uh tony here has leaked many times throughout the show today so uh that's where you want to see that it's gonna be great we'll see you next wednesday uh live 3:30 p.m eastern time have a fantastic rest of your week <laughs>